0: would open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 21, Revelation 21. We're actually going to talk tonight about the last part of the Lord's Prayer, um, which is um, what we've been doing. We've been looking at that at least one Sunday a month. Um, But if you notice, I, I didn't tell you to turn in your Bibles in Matthew 6 for that because the part we're looking at, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. If you're having, if you have the ESV, you're not going to find that there, except for in a footnote, because some of the best manuscripts don't have that. Um, uh, but the reason I want to preach on that and conclude the the sermon series with, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, is for one, this benediction was used extremely early in church history. It was used by the apostles themselves. Matthew's account of the Lord's Prayer leads you hanging. He actually doesn't conclude the Lord's Prayer. And so, uh, the apostles very well might have added that because that is what they heard Jesus pray. Um, at the very least, it's a summary of that prayer, for thine as a kingdom and the power and the glory. It's also very biblical because it actually comes from 1 Chronicles 29. Um, it, it's a prayer of David. Uh, David, as he is on his deathbed, and he has been promised so many things in his life. He's been promised a kingdom that will never end, that somebody would sit on the throne forever. He's been promised that, and yet here David is at his deathbed, and he's looking at Solomon, and he he sees in Solomon, yes, he, he, he might be a great king, but he's also flawed, he's also sinful, he's also going to die. And so he knows he is dying, he knows Solomon's dying, And yet, in David's dying words, he expresses faith in this one thing. He says, for thine is the power, thine is the glory, and yours is the kingdom. His his final words are faith, out of faith. The one thing, I, I can't believe what my eyes are telling me right now. I can't make sense of what is happening around me. But the one thing I know is true Is that God, you have the power and you have the glory, and then he says you have the kingdom. And that's what I pray would be the one rock that we could build our lives on, that truth, no matter what we see around us. And so what I want us to do is go to Revelation 21, which describes this kingdom in which David had put his hope, in which the apostles had put their hope. So Revelation 21, verse 1. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Pray with me. God, I pray in this moment you would make things new for us. The stories we've heard our whole life, and Lord, maybe don't penetrate as deeply as they should. Right now through your Spirit, Work those truths in our heart because they're, they're not just truth in the abstract. They're, they're the truth of a person. They're the truth of you, Jesus. And they are a powerful truth. When, when that living word comes inside of us, it transforms us. And we ask that you would do that in this moment. May my words fall to the ground and blow away. But Lord, may your words remain. And may they change us. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. As I was thinking about this text this week from Revelation 21, my mind actually kept going back over and over to another story in the Bible. The story of the the disciples, Peter, James, and John going up to the Mount of Transfiguration. If you remember that story, Jesus, he goes up, to this mountain and um, he has a conversation with Moses and Elijah. They appear to him there and Jesus had brought up, you know, Peter, James, and John were with him and, and they were sleeping, but then they, they woke up and they saw this sight of Jesus talking with Moses and Elijah and Jesus became transfigured. His face began shining, basically the, the glory of Jesus was manifest and he was literally just shining like the sun. And, and Peter, he, he's looking at this and he is, he's seeing the thing that we all long to see. I think every human heart longs to see this, the glory of our Savior, the glory of God and, and to be able to be in front of him and to bask in that glory. And he sees this and and he, he's thinking, I, I don't want to leave. I, I could, Jesus, how about I build some tents here? Okay, how about I build three tents? And, and I don't know how Peter's going to do that. If he's going to go around and gather some sticks, you know, some leaves. How do you build a tent on top of a mountain from scratch? Luke says he wasn't, he didn't even know what he was saying. But what Peter knew was this. I want this forever. I want this forever. You know, the the nine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. I I don't want this to end. But it ended. And and I find myself identifying with the apostles in this moment in which they go back down the mountain. I mean, they had just been seeing the glory of God shining and they go back down and there's, there's a desperate father. There's a demonized son. There's powerless apostles. There's just a broken down, fallen world all around them. And they had to be thinking, when? When do we get to see the glory forever? That's what I want. I want the glory forever. I think that is written on every human heart. And Revelation 21 tells us what that looks like, what we have to look forward to. I love the way Revelation 21 continually points us forward. Look at it again. Let's read it again. It says, starting in verse verse three it says, "And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, "Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be His people." And God himself will be with them as their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And so, John, in this vision, he's, he's pointing us forward into what will happen. He's, and he's saying someday there's, there's going to be a time in which there will be no more tears, There's going to be no more shattered dreams. There's going to be a time where there's no more disappointments, where there's no more ailing bodies. There will be death no more. There there will be no more fairies overturning and, and hundreds drowning. There will be no more 9 11s. There will be no more cancer. but what about the present? Is there any hope for us now in the present? Yes, we look forward and we we look forward and we long for that day, but, but what about now? When we're living in that fallen world, what about now? And that's why you come to verse five. That's why five is so important. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Now, any English teacher is going to tell you that that's uh, it's really bad grammar, what's going on here, because you're supposed to keep all your verbs in the same tense. And if all the verbs are future, 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 you shouldn't switch it here, unless this is intentional. This, this verse should pop out. When Jesus rose from the dead, he he conquered the kingdom of Satan and now Jesus' kingdom is breaking through. Jesus is now ascended. He is seated on the throne of God. He's ruling. And currently now, this very moment, Jesus is making all things new. We don't have to look to the future. Someday he will make things new. Currently, right now, the risen and ascended Jesus is ruling and making things new. So right now, if you are in Christ, Paul says, you are a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. The resurrected life of Jesus has come inside of you and it has wreaked havoc in your life and it's discarded old sinful habits and it's it's bringing in a spirit of holiness it's transforming you it's giving you new life you once were dead but now you're alive you once were a slave to sin but now you have been set free from sin you once had no hope but now christ in you is the hope of glory These are things He is doing presently. We just heard that when we heard the testimonies of Madeline and David about how God is working presently in their life. Yes, we look towards the future, but we recognize that in this moment He is making all things new. He's not done making things new yet. He's, He's not done, but when Christ rose from the grave, his kingdom began breaking through. Those things began being real in our lives. And I was talking with uh, just some friends today, and, and the story came up. One of the ways that I remember experiencing this, uh, coincidentally, David, is when my father died. Um, I was um, in college, a junior in college at the time, and my dad was 54 years old. He was, he was in great health. Uh, but I got a call. Um, I was at school, and I just got a call said, hey, your dad had a heart attack. You need to come home. And, uh, and they didn't say how he was doing or anything. Just said he had a heart attack, which shocked me. And Lauren and I, we were dating at the time, and we went to my car. And before we got in to, to race home, I just stopped and I prayed. And in that moment, the Lord, clear as day, just said, your dad's with me. You don't have to rush home. There's no need for you to rush home. Your dad's with me. And I told Lauren that. God like just, just said, my dad's with him. And, and I just started singing. For two hours, I just, I just started singing hymns. And what I remember about that time, and for the longest time, I kept trying to pinpoint this this feeling because it was a a hard feeling to describe. When God said, I've taken your dad, and and I felt that, I had this kind of fluttering in my stomach, this fluttering that I hadn't had before. And this is gonna sound so strange, but I had the same fluttering years later in New York City. When Lauren and I went to go see a Broadway play and I heard the orchestra warming up, and I had this little fluttering, and I realized, this is is an excitement. It's actually anticipation. It's the same feeling, I've been able to think about it more later, like when I'm going on a long journey and I get this kind of feeling in my stomach, like something epic is about to begin. Something in my life is about to change. There's going to be new experiences. Lauren, we were talking, she said she had the same thing uh, at one point in Haiti when she was able to help this mother and she realized my, her life had changed at this moment. That Haiti was always going to be a, a part of her life and she had this sensation. And what it, what it was, it's not that I, I wasn't sad. I, I was grieving. My father was my best friend and there was sorrow. Sorrow. But the sting was gone. And in its place was actually kind of an excitement, anticipation, knowing the journey my dad was on. And that he would worship his father in the land of the living. And that he was not dead. And it excited me, it set my heart on fire and I couldn't stop singing. And what I realized at that moment is all those things I'd been been studying and and I knew and I believed. All of a sudden, they became real. It's no longer resurrection in theory. And a lot of us, we we have this resurrection in theory, but but now all of a sudden this journey began. And now, do you really believe this? And if you do, this should set your bones on fire. There was a joyful anticipation from my father, knowing he was now in the land of the living. The Lord was in my heart at that moment, making things new. Even when it looked like the disciples who were coming down there, seeing everything around them just, just going to, to chaos and everything fallen. God's always working things new. <sighs> The Lord is making things new in this world. This last chapter to Revelation, its second to last chapter in Revelation, is one of the most pivotal passages of Scripture in my life. Listen, if our hope was only in the future and not in the present, that Jesus is presently making all things new, presently doing changes. If our hope was only in the future, then let's just close shop. Let's just, who cares about the world? Let it fall away. Let's just go and wait for a sweet by and by. But Jesus says, don't you dare. You look and you, you pray and you hope and you long for that future resurrection. But now I'm working. Now I'm reigning through my church. Now you are to be doing my work with great anticipation of that day. Paul makes that argument. Listen to this from 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, all right, so, so he paints all of us. We look to the future, we look to the future. We're gonna get new bodies. Everything's gonna be great. Therefore, do we do nothing and just wait for that day? He says, no, therefore, my beloved brothers, Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Currently now, Jesus is building his kingdom. He is doing a new thing, and we get to be a part of that now. The things that we labor for are not in vain. They will be consummated on that last day. And the gates of hell will not prevail against what the Lord has built. We're going to celebrate that, the kingdom of God, through the taking of this bread and this wine. Because without the broken body and blood of Jesus, there is no everlasting kingdom. Because it was on the cross that Jesus defeated the kingdom of Satan and establishes the kingdom of God. It was at the cross that Jesus defeats the power of Satan and establishes his power. It was at the cross that Jesus defeats any glory going to Satan and he receives all glory at the cross and through his resurrection. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory and he establishes it here forever.